Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Yeah. You can't argue. I mean, and Kareem doesn't get enough love, you know, when no. people are talking Mount Rushmore. I mean, when you look at Kareem's career, and if you think about Kareem as a star across all dimensions from high school, so he came with that kind of flair of LeBron. Like, he had that back-in-the-day LeBron flair where everybody expected him to be great. So he was great in high school, <laughs> great in college, and yeah. great in the pros. Like, he played at such a high level in his career. And I think sometimes his, his lean stature didn't allow people to understand how physical and how dominant he was as a defensive player, not just his yeah. offensive skills. I hope he gets a lot of play. But, yeah, so you had a list there. I mean, you had a good, it was a good argument. Good argument for that. Well, we got a great night tonight. Welcome to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Get out there and become part of the movement. Uh, we are tonight. Uh, we usually run the three-man weave, but tonight we got the two-on-one break. We can do that because we're fundamentally sound. We can do that. We've been taught by the best old-school kind of ball players with a new-school flair. We yell and slap the glass on you, but our fundamentals are sound. And nobody is more sound with his fundamentals than my guy, Phil P. 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 Ph.D. Oh, that was some Mason. That was some Mason Detroit type stuff right there. I tried to give you some billups. I couldn't quite get it out. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'm like a young, I'm like a young Paul George. You know, Danny Granger just went out for the season and 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 the coach just says, listen, big fella, we need more out of you for the rest of the season. I'm here. Not for the rest of the season, just this week. I'm here for you. Well, I, I'm so glad to have you, and uh, we're going to have a great night tonight. There's a lot to talk about. You know, this is like your corner barbershop. This is the movement. You know, we're not the big juggernauts. You know, we're not trying to, uh, you know, be your next Disney. What we are is we're every – sports person's corner. We don't care where you come from, your background, everybody. I sit around with my people in my office, and we just talk sports. We try to bring that to you with a real good polish. We've got a lot of great topics we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to hit on some of the emerging themes around the NFL, NFL Combine. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that have happened here recently in college basketball. Jim Beheim. He's just been a character all year long, and so we will touch on him. Trading your coach, we're going to talk about that. What is going on? What's up with trading coaches and this whole kind of emerging conversation around who's more important, the coach or the GM? Sounds like Jerry Krause saying GMs win championships. So we're going to get into all those kinds of things I think are are, are really good about our – we got to give LR love. We're going to do that dog of the week and, and show love to our, our guy, uh, LR. And then we got a new segment uh, this week uh, that we'll touch on. It's called Last Word. You know, each week, one of us, you know, because we, we are, we hope to provoke some thinking. And given that the kind of guys we are, you know, which we value education, the way in which we try to stretch and put ourselves in uncomfortable situations to grow, there's always a time, you know, uh, PhD is, uh, you know, lectures. He, he's a, he, he's, he's, he, he leads both graduates and I think some undergrads maybe. So he's used to holding court. Same thing with Game Changer. You know, we're all educators, and we're used to having that space where we sometimes have the last word and we want to drop something each week. And so we'll do that. 
uh, uh, this week. But, but you know, we always jump to, you know, we, is the way to jump our show off to really uh, add character with, to it is what we always start with is this thing called funky editorial. Uh, because that is something that always sets us right with the real sports guys. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, come on. If you don't know what we're talking about, hey, Real Sports Guys, we're, we're on iTunes. You can get some of our old shows. But last week was that, that was uh, two, what, uh, that was that, uh, uh, 18 is uh, the that last Tuesday show. We yeah. dissected that drop. And so if, <laughs> it's a classic conversation. If you have a chance, go back. You can catch a lot of our old shows on iTunes. You can you can get it while you drop in the car, but that one is one you got to get. It'll probably end up in one of our classics just because the beginning of the show, <laughs> as we broke, we even broke down the drop. That's the real sports, yeah. guys. Uh, he had the peanut <laughs> gallery going in full effect. I mean, he called his boys out. They was right there. Was the one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, right. Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, sit. Everybody want to get funky one more time. Go ahead, James. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead, just like the great James Brown. Uh, okay. I hope to only be as good as James. NFL Combine is what we're going to talk about this week in the Funky Editorial. I'm, I'm, you know, Hank's, the Tex Schramm was the, 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 the Cowboys kind of architect back in the 70s started using these kind of measurements. I think they started driving this whole combine idea. And now we just got this proliferation of what happens in shorts and now these new suits they wear, whatever it is, they tights. But we can, we, we now can measure hand size and, you know, we can, we get, we, we're scrutinizing these players in, in a lot of different crazy things. Just as a, as, a, as a beginning, before we get into what we're hearing coming out of the Combine, PhD, have we gone too far? Has the pendulum swung too far? This whole idea of analytics and numbers, have we swung too far? Is the Combine like the, the greatest bastion of, of how we've gone over the top with trying to figure out who's good and who's not? I think so. I'll keep it real simple because you asked Bill Belichick, you know, does – do the Patriots invest money in scouting all this stuff? Absolutely. But you ask Bill Belichick, what's the best way to gauge future talent? And he says, watching tape. Period. The other stuff is helpful, but don't don't make that stuff too important. Johnny Football has small hands. He's got big hands. This guy looks like a player. You know, it's kind of like the the chat back in – Moneyball, the movie mm-hmm. Moneyball, where you have the old school scouts in the room with the new Saber Metrics guys, uh, Brad Pitt, Pitt's new crew, 
and they're talking about this guy looks like a ball player. He's got a square chin. He's his girlfriend's ugly, so that tells you <laughs> all this stuff, man. Like it's almost like we're getting back to that, and you're almost getting too smart. You're getting too smart. You're yeah, outsmarting yeah. yourself. Outsmarting the room. Is that That's what right. we're saying? Outsmarting the room. I, when they start talking about the hand size, I had to hit y'all up. I said, I've lost, they lost their mind. The hand size? I'm like, now, now we talking hand size? Now, next thing you know, we're going to be talking about big toe size because that, that will dictate how well they can plant on their back foot and throw the ball. Are we at that point? It got even more ridiculous with Janavia Clowney. That runs, what did he run, a 4-4 four, four, what, 5 or 4-4? Four, four. Four, Whatever five, it was, he ran three. fast. Yeah. Four or five. Three, five. He, he, so he, just, he ran fast. How tall is he? Like, what, six? Go ahead, six five? Yeah, he's a big so, guy. So, so he, he runs that fast, but then they get mad because he don't do all the other stuff. Have people lost their mind? The cat just ran as fast as your fastest wide receivers. <laughs> but you going to tell me. you going to tell me because he didn't do the shuttle run. You mad. Y'all have a lot. Well, okay, do what you got to do. Then they said he ran, the, what do they call that, the cone drill, like in like seven seconds. Like that's off the charts. At that point, that's all I need to see. I've seen the film. <laughs> I've seen that. Now they want to say he didn't bench enough. He did the wide grip, and he didn't bench. He bench 21 times. These people are going crazy, but where do you see him going? What, if you were the Texans, do you take him, or do you take Johnny? Who do you take? If I'm the Texans, I have to go with Johnny Football. I have to. Assuming that Johnny Football does not do anything disastrous in the next two months to make his drive stock just plummet, you have to take him. He's he's a guy from Texas. He played his college ball in Texas as well as growing up in Texas. And I still think the Texans made a huge mistake not picking up Vince Young back in that draft mm-hmm. or Reggie Bush. And you went with mm-hmm. Mario Williams. who You know, Williams, Mario Williams has had a very solid career. He had a very solid career with the Texans. That's how he got all that money in Buffalo. But... I think Vince Young, you know, he had a decent career his first five or six years. I think it would have been that much better if he was in Houston. So mm-hmm. I don't think that the Texans can make this mistake, man. It's a gamble, but there's something about Johnny Football that we don't see come around and you know, often. And I think I don't think he's as much of a novelty as, say, Tim Tebow. Johnny Football can make plays. No, he's not the prototype prototype quarterback, but he's also not Tebow either. So I take him with the first pick. Clowney. See, there's there's something about defensive players, and Clowney. Unfortunately, we had a whole year to just break down this young man's game and find mm-hmm. that, okay, he's not 100% everywhere. He's a 91 in some areas. 
and all of a sudden ninety one's a problem. So I I don't know. I I just don't see Clowney as a dominant, dominant, dominant defensive player. And we've seen enough defensive players be busts that were beasts at the combines, were physical beasts, and it just did not work out. Now, I think he's going to have a heck of a career. I think he'll make some Pro Bowls. But offenses at this point, in terms of how they can get rid of the ball quicker than they than they could, say, 10, 15 years ago, defensive ends or outside backers, wherever you're going to play him, um, you got a guy that can change the game by maybe making three or four plays a game where you have a quarterback that's going to touch the ball every offensive play. And I think if you have a game changer at quarterback, especially with the way the league is right now, you go with that. Now, but if you think about it, I mean, you think about it, that division isn't great. I mean, you got Andrew Luck is your your star in that division. You put Clowney with J.J. Watt, you basically shut. I mean, you think about what Seattle's done by having a great defense, and if you get a solid quarterback, they got great offensive tools, right? You got a you got a coach O'Brien who knows how to coach offense. Could you argue that you put you put him on that defense? You get uh, you get your you get your, your, your some of your, your guys who are injured back. You might have a top three or four defense. You putting you putting pressure. You're stopping people. You got offensive players that you know can play, you get a serviceable quarterback, couldn't you say that now you've got a defense that can dominate for like the next five, six years and compete in the AFC that if you can, you know, you still got Peyton Manning, so you've got to be able to stop people. But Seattle might have given you the blueprint. Could you argue that's not a bad place? I understand the, and get quarterback later if you're able to make some moves and get a quarterback later because given you got, you got not just him, but you've got other quarterbacks who are pretty solid quarterbacks. I think that's a very solid point, but for the past three or four years, they have not made it over the hump because they've mm-hmm. had a, a solid quarterback. Matt Schaub was a solid quarterback, but in this league, mm-hmm. to win, you need uh, you need a game changer at quarterback. You do. You mm-hmm. need a quarterback that brings something different to the to the field that makes the defense prepare in a unique way. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. was with an excellent defense, but still, as as a quarterback, he brought that running dynamic and scrambling diamond, that dynamic that puts that extra burden on the defense. And mm-hmm. I I think they need a quarterback. I think they need a quarterback. Now, there are other good quarterbacks in the draft, and we saw just a few years ago what Seattle did, picking up a – a solid quarterback in the third round. Yeah, I don't think you can mm-hmm. fault that. But I wish Clowney the best. But Johnny well, Football, so, man, I, I mean, you are selling, yeah. you are selling a lot getting that young man, and it just energizes your entire fan base. Your entire fan base mm-hmm. having a guy like Johnny Football. I tell you what, having Johnny Football on with the Texans, it might make the state of Texas a Houston, Texas state. And that's saying a whole lot with the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys there. 
Well, I, I, you know, I, uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of pressure, and if you miss, you, if you miss on him, you're not going to get as much uh, of a uh, blowback as you would if you don't pick him and he ends up being successful. So I, I understand that, and um, it, but it's interesting, you know, Clowney forces you to think differently <laughs> about uh, how you might do this draft if you believe you have depth at quarterback, you know, in the draft. You know, um, if you believe you can get a quality player um, in the draft, you know, at a later at a later stage, and um, but I, I mean everything you're saying, you know, you put him in with a you know with a great offensive mind at coach, um, you know, you never know, uh, you know, you got something like you said, you can own the state, you own the marketing, um, you know, there's a lot that comes along with having him there, and if he's he's successful and, and he's demonstrated. <laughs> you know, that he can rise to the occasion. So, but, you know, drafts, you know, think about how these drafts and coaches um, are involved in it. We're hearing that part of the tension in San Francisco is the role the coach wants to play in personnel and other things and tension around, you know, his extension. But a lot of this is coming from control. And drafts are – that's your resource. You know, that's, you know, that's your lifeline to success is, you know, your, you know, NFL is still a place where you build through the draft. And we hearing things about trading coaches. <laughs> we talk about trading players, but we, we hear in the 49ers, the Cleveland want to figure out how to put a trade together for a hardball. What do you make of what is happening in, 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 49 land. When you think this is basically the second best team in football, they're not that far away from being great. What do you make of this? I don't know because, well, what I make of it is if you have a coach that can take a team to the to the conference championship three straight times, Bruce, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh knows his value. He knows his value. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's put it out there. And the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns should be ashamed of themselves. Here you are, just hired a coach, <laughs> and you sniffing around for another coach. <laughs> you know, that's 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 your that's your area. That's where you reside. I want to make sure they're not throwing anything at you. I yeah, mean, you're right. Is, what is going on in Cleveland? I mean, this is like the guy who gets married. And, you know, a week later on his honeymoon, he's just having a hard time, you know, being faithful. <laughs> it's, it's like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> so I mm. I mean, I think it I, – I I'm going to say this. I didn't think anybody could take the tension away from the Cavs. But the Browns have in their own backyard. I thought the Cavs yeah. would just own the crash and burn. And somehow you'll, the Browns have figured out how to overtake them. But you're right. How do you do that? Honey, I love you. But uh, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> sorry, but I'm sorry. I digress, but it's killing me. So what do you make of it? Well, I think the Browns and, and NFL franchises in general understand that outside of a quarterback, having having a franchise quarterback, the next best thing, or perhaps maybe even slightly better than that, is having 
you know, uh, one of the top three or four coaches in the league. And, uh, and Jim Harbaugh has proven that he's a winner at every level that he's coached at, from the Division Three of San Diego to to Stanford, and in just three short years and with the 49ers, he's taken them to the conference championship every year, at least in the Super Bowl once. So he knows his value. Other teams know their know knows his value, and they're willing to give up a few draft picks to to land a guy who can turn around their franchise. And the Cleveland Browns have tried everything else. They have tried everything else. They have picked the quarterback first, you know, Tim Couch. They have picked, you know, the next, uh, you know, clowny before there was a clowny with Courtney Brown. That didn't work. The Browns have tried everything, and now they're going to try to import a coach because them trying to make <laughs> coordinators work hasn't worked. Try to get the top defensive coordinator from New England and Cornell, that didn't work. So let's try to manufacture and just poach one of the top coaches. And it's just a mess, man. That whole franchise is a mess. But you hear people on the air saying, well, Harbaugh's overrated. The GMs are making the picks. Um, You – I actually heard people making a case for why the, the, why you do a GM over a coach, and I think these people are crazy. You know, co- good coach can get you one or two games in the NFL, and that, that's all the difference. When you think about the, the teams recently who have won the Super Bowl from the wild card position, you know, it was because these great coaches were able to get one or two victories down the stretch, able to position their team enough to believe to get down the stretch. And so you hear these people talking about, yeah, you need to get good talent. Yeah, you got to be able to do that. But all great teams consult their coach when they're picking the talent. No GM is doing that alone. You know, they're all, everybody's kind of involved in the mix. Now, you know, ultimately maybe the GM is going to make the final call, but smart GMs consult with coaches because you got to be in alignment with whatever style you're playing. So, but at the end of the day, you got to have somebody who keeps everybody basis and that's the NFL coach and so I don't know I mean I don't know how you feel I don't know if you've been hearing anything or I, I, I know it's like Jerry Krause saying you know GMs win championships <laughs> Michael Jordan was almost lost his mind you know Krause but, said organizations, but organizations, organizations win championships, win championships. that's right <laughs> which was was cold for a GM right he was trying to give himself some credit that was the only way he could do it out without getting hit by eggs when he walked through the uh, through the United Center. <laughs> Anybody who has time out there, read the Jordan Rules and the Second Coming by Sam Smith. Uh, he goes into depth. I mean, these books are twenty years old almost, but he goes into depth about uh, that statement. Kraus saying that organizations win championships. Great read. Great, 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 great read. But. But when you think about a winning organization, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, if you think about Gruden when he got traded, what they say, two first rounds, two second rounds? You know, what would you give up for a hardball? <laughs> if I was the Cleveland Browns, I'd give up a first round. You'd give up a kidney. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, a, and a kidney, huh? 
<laughs> the Brown fans have been waiting so long. You got to give up something. You said first and second, you give up our ball. Oh, and, yeah. and some cash. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody needs some new shoes. So you give up first and second for them. So that's how important you think a coach is. Oh, yeah, especially when. Yeah, especially when you've had a hard time keeping a coach past three years for the past, you know, since since they moved back to Cleveland. So, absolutely. But do you tr- do you trust it if you hardball? It's like they fired a cat. He didn't even get a full year out. Well, like, I don't think hardball would have those same problems because he yeah. brings that name recognition. But no, I wouldn't. Yeah. There's no way I'd go from. If I'm Harbaugh, there's no way I'd go from San Francisco to Cleveland because you have the infrastructure to be successful in the 49, like in San Francisco. Now, I know there's talk that the team's getting older. They may decide to rebuild after this current year. If they don't get it done, I don't care. You you don't leave that set up to go to Cleveland. You just don't. And, and the thing about it, they're talking about rebuilding. If you try to start rebuilding it where – Seattle sitting and Arizona sitting, you'll never make it back up. I mean, you think about where St. Louis is coming. You need to figure out how to adjust midstream. But if you even think about getting in rebuild mode, the 49ers have lost it. I know Kaepernick's going to force them into some crazy stuff, but they 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 think rebuild. They they going and they try to get rid of Harbaugh. They're going to be back to them days. They're going to be they're going to be back to them. You know. They're going to be back to them days where I want winners. They're going to be free I want winners. <laughs> when Woodsow, it was, you know, Garcia. Who else they running up through there? No, they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. Well, the NFL is going to bring us a lot of great, I think, great moments as we uh, we we move forward uh, in this. We're going to be paying attention to the draft. You know, all these guys are going to have their individual workouts. Um, I'm sure San Francisco kind of continuing. Each side is going to be feeding this stuff. All we, they, they, I think they're going to be t- entertainment throughout the year. Uh, I think that's just how Jim is going to be. He's a little agitated. Um, so this is going to be kind of exciting uh, moving forward. Moving to college basketball, the man with the bifocals and the glasses, Jim Beheim. Got ejected for the first time, I think it is, what, 40-year career? Just lost it. <laughs> Just lost it down in Camden. The Camden crazy drove Jim over the top. You know, they – the fair, I believe, is going baseline. It's a, towards the end of the game, they're down, I want to say around – I might have to get this right by around four. It was close. He going baseline. Coming down the left baseline. And – Duke player is about to take the charge, but he really kind of inside the line. Now, they got a new rule that says, I think, in that situation, I think it's an automatic block. But they call, oh, automatic. No, actually, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a block, but they call the charge. Now, we look at it, it kind of looks like he's kind of in position. But Beheim pulls him, I'm calling him McCaffrey. Is that what the, what's the Iowa's coach name? Because I was at the game at, at Wisconsin. Like, Beheim went out in the middle of the court and lost his mind. And I've never seen him like that. They tee him. They tee him again and toss him. 
And basically, you know, that is what cost the game. Now, Fair, who was the, the player who went baseline, he was asked after the game whether or not that made a difference. He said, well, we're down with one or two, and we lost by five. What do you think? So in some ways he was saying coach loss is cool and, you know, in a way that a coach would probably say about a player. So it's an interesting kind of scenario, but what do you think? What do you think? What do you think about what you saw? And then what do you think? Behar's a pretty smart person. So to go 40 years and not lose your cool, what do you think he was trying to do there? I got a theory. Well, I think it was calculated because, like you said, Behar's been doing this for 40 years. He's never got to keep out of the game, especially at that moment because I believe they were down by two points. He got the two tacks, so in college that's four free throws. Duke made three out of the four. Um, they got possession, got fouled again, and they made another two free throws. So at that point, and it was only ten seconds left in the game at that point. So at that point, a two-point game went to, uh, what, seven points. And, you know, the game was essentially over. And, you know, Jay Billis, he kept saying it over and over. Jim Beheim cost him the game. He cost him the game. And after the game, I started thinking about it. This dude did this on purpose. Like, this was intentional to prove, to drive home his point of what a poor call this was. That's my thoughts on it. And and I I would say, you know, not only the call, but I, I, I would say when you think about the fact that they just came off the loss to uh, BC, right? Uh, NC State, they barely beat. They uh, had a tight game against Pitt. So out of their four previous games, they theoretically could have lost in all of them. So I think you're right. I think he realized he had a moment where he's got to really get his team focused. I mean, they even had a tough game against Maryland here afterwards. So now he knows he's realizing that his team is really – there's a thin line right now between their loss and victory. He's got to find a way to get them – playing at another level. And I think he also, you know, he was setting the tone that we are the Big East. You know, we still coming to the ACC, but we, we're we not coming in like just any old school into bowing down to Duke. You know, he's been co- friends with Coach K. It's easy to be friends when y'all don't live in the same neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? You can be friends for like 20 You know, you and I can be friends for like 20 years, you know, and you went in the house of the year in your neighborhood. I went house of the year. Then we kind of meet at the country club and talk about our awards, right? But then when I, I wake up and you you live next door to me, now I'm on eggs on your house. You know, you come in and like, who just hit that? I think a little kid neighborhood did that. <laughs> and, you know, he's coming out of wars with John Thompson. You know, the Big East, he's coming out the real days of basketball. Yeah. And now he's coming in here with a swag. Like, we're not coming in here bowing down. We are the big dogs first year. I think part of it is hard. And people don't think about Behind because it looked like Uncle Nelly, like somebody uncle who was a, who was a, 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 who was a physicist, you know. But, you you know, you forget how competitive he is. I think all that was part of the gig down there. Like, we just can't be given respect coming. We come in here and take it. And I think 
he's not going to settle for the kind of cause that every other team puts up with in Candom. You know, you 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 need to be giving me this kind of stuff on love in 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 the carrier dome. He got a little swag. He been kind of having a swag a chip on, it. and then he even said it was it's still a bad call. You know what I'm saying? So he trying to push up in there. Do you think he's trying to flex a little bit? We Syracuse, Big East, Big East basketball has always been good. You know, is is he bringing that to the table? I think he's being real strategic with it. I do because he doesn't normally lose his cool, especially in that moment. Essentially, the game was over based on his reaction. Mhm. Do you see this as a team that could still make a run? Is there anything about them that makes you nervous? Or are you just feeling like they're going through this kind of dog day right now and as they get closer to the ACC tournament, they'll start to get focused? So I don't believe in Syracuse. I don't. And It's hard. So, you, you, you like me. That's like different, like different running backs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't trust it. I cannot trust it. Two years ago, I, you know, during our tournament pre-preview uh, show, we had the coach of UNC Asheville on Eddie Dybach, I, I believe, or Dydenbach, and I told mm-hmm. him, Coach, uh, you know, I'm picking you guys to beat the top overall seed. They were a one seed, and North Carolina. Uh, UNC Asheville was a 16 seed, and I tell you what, they were winning that game till about five minutes left in the game, and Syracuse came back to squeak it out. I don't trust Syracuse. I don't. I don't. And even when they were undefeated, you know, just a week and week and a half ago, I was talking to Marcus off the air, and and we both, you know, we both weren't even excited about them being undefeated because we knew at some point they were going to blow it, even if it was in the tournament they were undefeated. I just. To me, it goes back 20 years ago when uh, <laughs> Syracuse was a three seed. They lost to Richmond Spiders, the 14 seed. You know, one of the first times a three seed had lost in the first round. I just no, it was a two fifteen game. They were a two seed. I, I just don't trust them. I don't. Yeah. I believe who was on that team. I think maybe Ty Evans from Beloit Memorial High School might have been on that team yeah. uh, with yeah. Richmond. But yeah, that 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 was a yeah. See, Syracuse and Arizona are my two programs that get a lot of hype, but they usually fold like wet noodles in in the <laughs> tournament. Like they build you up and just only to break you down. And I wonder is is it's because people can't trust the two three zone. They can't trust Bayhine because he feels slick. And is he gonna get exposed in the tournament? You know, there's something about that two three. Even though it's great, it just feels too gimmicky. And so you go up against a shocker smart, he gonna figure out how to beat you. You know, it's just yeah. you know. And, and do they bring the dog? I mean, Syracuse got just dumped on. I remember last year by Louisville, like hit them in the mouth in the in the. Never see anybody get beat down like that. Just they heart. I'm like, but that feels like Syracuse. Syracuse ain't really had any dog in them since Pearl Washington, you know, Ronnie Cycling, you know, you know, where, you know, they really Derek try Coleman. to bring some dog with them. You know, Derek Coleman, D.C., baby, Detroit, what, Northern? That's right. Uh, you know, they haven't really do it. So I, wish, I don't trust them. I don't, I, don't, I don't trust them like that. As we, as we, as we move towards the tournament, I, I want to make sure everybody understands, you know, we do the, 
the RSG Challenge, which will be dropped. We're about to drop something new on you on the RSG Challenge. Make sure you stay tuned. We have, we've been giving out some great prizes. LR has been off the hook. Uh, we got another big announcement we hopefully going to drop about around the tournament uh, next week to get people's juices going because we're about to take it to another level. But the RC Challenge is coming up. But Syracuse might be one of those teams where we might not get – it sounds like at least two of the RG folks might not see them in the Elite Eight. He might not, depending on how the state fall out. Uh, but Bayheim is trying to find a way to get the stars on the Duke side of that game. Duke is interesting. You know, I, I got a lot of friends around here who, who are Duke fans, and, you know, I, I, I use one of the terms that Ray uses. You know, Duke Duke players feel like camp kids. You know, UNLV, <laughs> yes. park kids. You know what I'm saying? And, and the camp kids play well during the regular season, but when you get into the tournament where you run into more park kids, you, you, you fold when the pick and roll and the pick and fence and the threes don't fall, and you got to just elbow somebody. You don't have it. But it feels like he started to get kids out of Chicago. So it sounds like he got off the plane in Chicago. He started to get down into the, into the neighborhoods a little bit. Seemed like somebody must have said something. I think Jalen must have sparked something in him with that 30 for 30. Because you now he don't got Chicago this year. You know, so he he tried to get away from these camp kids, but 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 they still seem a little finesse. You you see Duke as a real challenge for the tournament, or are you feeling like them, like Syracuse or Arizona or something like that? I think Duke is a legitimate championship contender because they have enough pieces around Jabari Parker to make it work. And Jabari Parker, Jabari Parker is one of the best collegiate players I've seen since Carmelo Anthony. Mm. He's outstanding. And he can take over a game in multiple ways. And Mm. I see Coach K is still grooming this young man, obviously. Mm -hmm. But there's certain points in the game he will pull out Parker to prove a point. You know, Parker might mm-hmm. go two or three possessions and have some really poor possessions. Every once in a while, Coach K will take him out at a critical point of the game just to get his attention. That's not happening mm-hmm. in the tournament. In the tournament, Coach mm-hmm. K is going to tell this young man to take the governor off. I mean, he mm-hmm. <laughs> he just don't let him go come tournament time. Okay. And okay. You know, last year I was on this Doug McDermott thing. I said he was going to do a, mm-hmm. a young Wally Zerbiak and just take over the first weekend of the of the tournament. I think Jabari, mm-hmm. uh, Jabari Parker is going to be that guy this year. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'm trying to because, you know, I got enough of my, 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 my comrades. <laughs> they Duke fans. I've been killing them. But, and I like Coach K. He's a Chicago guy. Grew up in the city. That's why I'll get on him a little bit because I think he should be getting – you got a quality education at Duke. I think he should be getting more of these kids at Duke. I think they would do well around him. So I'm glad he's starting to reach out and really get in. He might, they might come back and say he's always he – but Duke, Duke fans can never give me the, the list of the cats that he you – know, he never got anybody from, you know, other than Battier, I think. But Battier didn't come from, you know, the city. So Detroit. But – but I think he got something. 
I like Coach K, and I think you're right. I think he got something. And where I get nervous about them is when they don't have an interior game, and what Parker gives them is that guy who can score when everything else goes wrong. But he can score close to the basket. Before, the guys that they had who had to do that were all perimeter players. So they had to do it from range or pull up mud range, but they couldn't really go down there and get them free throws, get them buckets, do those things when you're ahead to, to you know, I always say the post game is like running the football late in the game when you're up 15. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to run the clock out. He gives them that type of player, and they haven't had a player like that in a while. So I, I agree with you. I think he, he's maturing. He's put some numbers up. Um, and it took me a while to get used to him, you know, figure out what he was all about. Because uh, he seemed, I and mean, that's when Coach K would sit him on the bench, because he didn't seem like he was being assertive enough uh, in, the, in the lineup. But I think that's got there. We're going to get deep. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get deep into this college basketball kind of thing. We're going to get game changer in here because one thing about game changer, he, he'll, he'll start to, uh, you know, he takes the conversation to another level. It's, it's like he's a savant when it comes to, to talking about this basketball thing and, 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 and figure things out. But uh, we're going to get real deep with college basketball because we get close to the tournament. We're going to start, you know, you know, get some folks in here talking about some things. We're we going to start revving this thing up a, a little bit uh, as, as, as we move forward. But right now we got to pay some bills. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this right now, pay some bills, because our boy LR, I know he's listening, and uh, we want to make sure he says, uh, says the checks. So uh, we want to do this because we got a great sponsor that we love and has been really good to us. So we're going to do that right now. We'll be back after these messages. Real Sports Guys. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at for your custom technology solutions today. Wait a moment, Billy. I got a different set of rules of my own. You want to hear them? Here they go. Sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. And sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose. That's right. That's a hot line. And sometimes we win or lose, but we know we always win when we talk about the the RSD Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. We gonna, This is a segment where we kind of talk about something that has inspired us, that has given us that, that dog feeling, like somebody who has just come out and done their thing. And so uh, I'm going to go to my guy, my, 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 my honoree for the night. He holding it down. This cat right already in the first half of the show has probably got like 15 minutes. Like he said, you know, it's like when LeBron sat out, it was time for Bosch to step up. And he said, I'm going to do my thing. PhD has been on this game tonight, so I'm gonna give you the honor of the of the of the first dog of the week. Kyrie Irving, thirty one points, double digit 
assists and just took over the fourth quarter of the All-Star game, was the MVP. The NBA All-Star game is still, one to me, the best All-Star game of the major four sports. Kyrie was a straight dog. I mean, the East came back the win for the first time in three years. And uh, Kyrie has the potential to be a star. And I still don't, I don't get I, I got to plug this in. I don't get why the game I went to two weeks ago where Mike Brown sits this guy the entire fourth quarter against the Lakers. And the GM gets fired next day. Mm-hmm. But Kyrie Irving is my dog. <laughs> hey. Yeah, that's probably the gig. Mike's like, I got to get this cat out of here. <laughs> He's like, I got to get him out of here. Can't do it. Mike Brown gave him the old slip to doozle. He's like, I got to get you over the top to get you out of here. You're in my way. I'm in my mix. I'm in my mix. But I love it, baby, because we, we need more dogs. My dog of the week is LeBron James. Up until All-Star Weekend, Everything was about Kevin Durant. People were talking about, is it 1A, 1A, is he coming in? And then the king shows up in OK City. He shows up with his stirrup zone, his holster ready to go. And comes out the gate, I think it's going to the first 13 points, to let folks know, just in case you <laughs> forgot. Just in case you thought something else was going down. Got so bad that Ibaka pulled what I call the Kyle Long move. You remember when Zeke went all in yeah. on, on Stockton? Right. You know, he didn't get on the All-Star team. And Zeke, yeah, yeah, Zeke, they, they, they met, Zeke was like, and I, and I felt sorry for Stockton because it was like Stockton was on a rope and Zeke was going at him. And, and then... I was like, you know, Kyle, country Kyle was like, we ain't going to have that. <laughs> Kyle put the elbow and stitches on him. So Babaka hit him all across the field, and he still can wand him. LBJ, don't let him tell they, they They thought, tell 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 Hove to drop one for you, drop a song for you last half, just so people know. You're going to need a theme song going into the into the, into the playoffs. This second half, he's closing the gap even on the MVP talk. So. He is my dog of the week. We want to, hey, we want to give love to our guy, LR. Get a chance, Resistance Digital uh, Solutions. Check him out. Check out our guy. Uh, you can go to realsportsguys.com and get to his site. Uh, we're going to have him on here, but make sure you support him. We always love uh, getting into this, uh, the dog of the week. It's a great part of the show because we needed something. My drop didn't go right. but I was trying to give a little bit of love, and it didn't even go right. My timing's off with that one, uh, Phil. I tried to drop it and stop it, and it just stopped at me. You know, when, when Game Changer listens to this, he's going to be like, man, you messed up my mix. He's going to get on me about that. I, I, I hit the drop, and it didn't even go the, the, the right way. So I'm going to come back on that one. But we're going to go to this. This is where we're going to start to get in here. I laid the LeBron stuff on you. And... He was my dog of the week, but I think I must transition to this uh, for you, Phil. Did he? I said he made a statement, but you know, I'm just, I, I'm just, you know, dog of the week. I was trying to hype him up, you know. 
Did he make a statement in K City? I think he did. LeBron James is the best player in the world. Period. And and let's not get carried away. Kevin Durant is excellent. I think Kevin Durant is offensively the best player in the league right now. But LeBron can take over a game in a way that nobody can. When he wants to be assertive and when he starts games and dominates like he did against Oklahoma City a few days ago, it's performances like that that incenses us when he disappears at times. Mm-hmm. It's performances mm-hmm. like that that incenses us when he disappears at times. Because we That's know right. what he's capable of. We know that he can take just about everybody off the dribble. We know that he can finish on just about anybody. This cat got his nose broke and finished. <laughs> finished and then realized that he got his nose broke. I mean, this dude is he is phenomenal. <laughs> I don't care if they're the one seed or the two seed. They, they're they the favorites because they have the best player. It's that simple. And, and what's so crazy about this is the way he's been shooting in terms of his efficiency, what he's been doing on the defensive end, the fact that Wade hasn't been in the game a lot. And Wade, I mean, Wade showed out that night, too. Wade came out and showed out a little bit that night as well. But he's just, I think sometimes we're not paying attention to what he's doing and how effortless it is. I said before, I said once he wins that one championship, once you free him, and if he wins that second one, it's over. Now he's just going to be him. And now he's playing at such a level, even when he talks about things, he's hit issues in ways he's not. And it's, not, it's nothing against Kevin Durant. I mean, I think sometimes when we talk about these things, people think, you know, we're trying to diss Kevin. I think Kevin's had amazing – his growth, I think he's focused. I think he's committed to winning. Um, I, I think he's doing it on both ends of the court. Uh, I think it's it's all there. But LeBron has this extra level. And because he has the – the thing that people don't understand is that he ability to control the game from the defensive end of the court. Right? I think people miss that. Like in a way that 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 we used to say about Olajuwon. In the way that we used to say about great centers, he's actually able to you know they talk about you know, they don't rebound very but he's able to turn from defense to offense in the way that he does things on the defensive end. In ways that keep them in the game, steals, deflections, the fact that he can multiple players, the thing he's able to do to hold them together, to get them from offense to defense is amazing. That you would normally equate to somebody who's center. That is something that people are giving credit for. Right. And that's something that KG's not, I mean, that KD's not doing. He's not doing that uh, at all. And so he's just been amazing. Uh, in a lot of ways, and it's taken me a while. You know, like you said, when he disappears, this is why we get angry. But I think he's been playing this, you know, ever since he was this championship, he's been playing consistently. I would say this year, what he's learned is what greats like Barkley and even Jordan and whatever. When you're trying to win multiple championships, you've got to figure out how to really 
distribute your energy and figure out, you know, through these dog days how to get wins and not totally exhaust yourself for that final run. And that's this is the part of the game he's going to right now. How do you manage this so that you can always be there in that Tiger Woods way to, to be the big championship in the game? That's what he's learning right now. So I, I, I love what he's doing, but I think KD is going to have a strong second half of the season. Uh, I, I love what he's he, he's trying to get done. Things that have happened in terms of some of the, the trades that have happened in the moves. And I'll take this one. Um, there's a couple moves I like that have happened. Now, my brother's a Lakers fan, and he's glad Blake is gone. I'm still on this day. I think Blake is a quality player. I like the move to Golden State. Uh, I love that move. And because what he does is he solidifies a second unit, and he gives them some of what they lost with Jared Jack in terms of a guy who can make some plays, uh, stretch and give them a, another thing. I mean, he just and he knows how to play. He's not a guy who's going to cost you on turnovers. So uh, I, I love I love uh, that that move. I I I love the idea of uh, uh, Haas going to Cleveland. Stabilize. It's like they got smarter after they got rid of their GM. They seem like they stabilized for a little bit. But I think, given what they're trying to do long run, a player like that I think adds a lot of value. There's some, there's some moves I just like, but when you think about some of the things that happen over the trade, what are you seeing that people are are, are are doing? What are some of the moves that you saw that were that were that were solid moves for you? Well, I like I like the move of Hawks going to Cleveland, like you mentioned. All of a sudden, Cleveland's got a ton of talent. Right now, I I liked what the Pacers did getting Evan Turner. This is a guy that was mm-hmm. averaging 17 points a game. <laughs> you let go of Granger and you upgrade with Turner. They mm-hmm. they now have one of the best perimeter um, players in the game right now. A group of players where you look at that, they can throw at you Stevenson. They can throw at you George. And now they can throw at you, Turner, and they've got depth to to contain a D Wade, to play a LeBron tough. I mean, they can go uh, small with that lineup. You know, playing playing George at 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 the four position if they want to match up with LeBron when he plays at the four. <laughs> I tell you what, the Pacers were just this close. And I'm holding my fingers real close together from taking down the last year. Okay, I feel you hold them. I, I feel you hold them pretty close. They were that close. And guess what? I feel that the Pacers have gotten better. They've gotten a year more experienced, and they were young last year, and now this 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 young team has now become a team that has another year of playing together. And the Heat. I'm not sure if the Heat are as good as they were last year. So this is going to be a heck of a April and in May, man, in regards to these conference uh, playoffs because it's not a shoe-in that the Heat's going to make it back to the finals. It's not right now. When, when, when I, you know, I thought about, you know, you know, 
there there hasn't been any kind of blockbuster trades, and so why not? What is it about the NBA trade that? Because you hear all these great trades, you heard possibility of Carmelo going, you heard all these big names, and which what, what you got is really solid professionals moving, people moving money for cop room, get ready. But you have, you didn't see with the ball didn't go anywhere. Uh, nothing big happened. Um, what yeah. what do you think about that? I, you know what? What do you think about the fact that there has a, there wasn't a big splash? Yeah. Before I get to that, there's one more trade I want to mention that I think it kind of went underneath mm-hmm. the. Uh, you know, it was kind of the DL. I know where you. I know where you. I know. I know where you're going. Go ahead. I, Andre Miller to the Wizards, and yeah. the Wizards, believe it or not, they're fifth seed. They're five seed right now, but they're only a couple of games out of the three seed, and having a steady guy. I mean, it's kind of like what the Warriors did with Steve Blake. The Warriors saw how unproductive their offense gets when Steph Curry needs to sit down and get get some rest. Well, the same thing happens in Washington when John Wall needs a rest. They, They just didn't have a point guard that can stabilize that offense, and I tell you what, Andre Miller and Steve Blake are two of the same in terms of being able to step in and run that offense for 10 to 12 minutes a game. So yeah. that that's the move I like. Now, why hasn't there been as many big moves this, this you know, like before this trade deadline? I think a couple of reasons. A, this, this draft coming up. Executives are real stingy right now with their picks. They don't. Like they're holding them close to the cuff, and they want to be able to stockpile their picks. So if they want to make moves before the draft, they still have that option. I think the other thing is mm-hmm. is that uh, NBA players, especially stars right now, they're more interested in trying to figure out what they're going to do in free agency opposed to mm-hmm. you know, negotiating what they can do now in terms of facilitating a trade and being okay with a trade. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Carmelo Anthony. I think five years ago, Carmelo Anthony would have been moved. But mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony at this point, I think he understands that his best, he's going to be able to leverage himself the the best mm-hmm. just waiting to the off season. And deciding if he wants mm-hmm. like if he wants to try to team up with a couple other guys, kind of like LeBron, Bosch, and Wade did a couple of summers ago, or if he wants to try to mm-hmm. recruit some guys to New York, or if he just wants to hold hold New York hostage, you know, to see if they're going to be willing to mm-hmm. resign somebody or make some room before you know he decides if he's going to resign or not. And I think that's different because a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, stars would tell the executives, hey, there's two or three places I'd like to go. Feel free to try to make it happen, you know, before the trade deadline. I think now guys are willing to wait it out because they saw how that mm-hmm. formula worked well for LeBron. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I was, uh, as I was thinking through that, um, and, you know, and, and I think what's throwing it, even some of these guys are putting their money where their mouths in terms of, the thought process around even taking less money to win. I think when when Carmel was putting that out there, that puts even more pressure on on the Knicks. And, and I know uh, uh, Raymond Felton having his little situation might have put another nail in the coffin to New York. It just added more fuel to the fire. What's up with these cats in New York and guns? It's like 
Again, you got all the money in the world. What, what, well, that is the but what is going on with these cats? So I think that's not helping the situation. More more issues they have, the more, you know, a guy like Carmel is like, I'm getting out of here. And what they're doing, they're building a case that will not have them have a LeBron-like reaction because they're, you know, not even Spike Lee. Spike Lee's trying to get traded for New York. He's trying to get, get jacked. Everybody trying to trade. The fans on the trade block. He's tired on the trade block. Spike trying to see if he can switch with somebody in L.A. See if he can get the court side team. So every time they have something like that, they they you're right. I think that players have got more more savvy, and they understand what winning brought LeBron. It's brought more money, too. It's brought marketing. It's brought all these other opportunities. There's a brand that comes along with it, and I think they're 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 realizing it. And so they hang out. They tired of seeing LeBron with all the rings. They don't want to be Charles Barkley. They don't want to be Carl Malone of their generation. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, you know, we 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 not gonna have it. Somebody somebody got to be a larger one. You know, I'm gonna get one or two in the middle. You might win six. But there might be two years you don't win, and that's probably when I win. Somebody wants to have that. So you're right. I mean, I think that people are being a little bit more judicious as you, as GMs are being it. But, it, you know, there's a lot of chatter coming up that not to have a splash. But all these moves we talked about are solid moves. I mean, every right. franchise, I think, made a solid move. I agree with you. The Andre Miller trade to Washington stabilizes the locker room. They've been playing hard in Washington. Um, I mean, the Bobcats have been playing hard. I mean, what's going on down there? Everybody trying to play defense. I mean, yeah. what's going on? Like the East is terrible, but the Bobcats—they—they they give you a battle every night. It's, um, what's going on down there? I don't even know what's going on. It's started. I'm like, has, has Michael Jeffries figured it out? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Question for you: Whatever happens to Adam Morrison? Is he still? Is he still floating around the NBA? I, I, last thing I knew, I bet you he's like he's like playing on a on a team in Israel, or you know he might be playing <laughs> in you know playing in China, or you know. So I don't know what he's doing. I mean, the, you know, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Fredette is 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 is. I think they look at they drop at him. I mean, all these cats are just going off the radar. I don't know what. Yeah, but that was his. He he picked Adam Morrison. I thought, and I liked Morrison. I like. I thought this cat was going to be. Good. I'm thinking is McDermott gonna go with the same faith? But I think McDermott for player, you know. But but yeah, I, I don't know what happened to him. You yeah, know where are they now? We have to look it up. <laughs> he last played in 2012 for Turkey. The last time he played in the NBA was for the Lakers in 2010. Yeah. So I was in the region. I was in the region. Not too far, but I I was. It was it was abroad. That's what I did. <laughs> he had his passport had stamps on it. <laughs> He's backpacking somewhere. <laughs> he doing something. Yeah, boy, Michael Jordan. I tell you what, L. Jefferson is playing well. Uh, Big yeah. L is playing very very well in uh, Charlotte. I haven't I haven't yeah. seen Big L play much, but he's on my fantasy basketball squad, and he had a nice stretch of uh, twenty five and ten for four or five straight games. 
he's a beast. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of teams who could use him um, to try to uh, to elevate, uh, you know, what they're, what, what they're trying to get done. You got Big Baby going over to, uh, to the Clippers. Um, I mean, that's another great move. And to that yeah. move is that move is a counter move to to Blake in the sense that Big Baby will get down in that box and bang. When the low post move, he, you know, he get the J, but he also you can stop on the block where you need it. He can shoot up your second unit. So those are kind of things. Those are real solid kind of GM championship type moves that kind of fulfills, you know, seal, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what you want to do to to be stronger and, and and get more people in that low post because uh, they're going to be moving to the half-court game. So that, I think that's a, a pickup that went under the radar a little bit. People talked about it, but I think you'll, you, you, they're going to appreciate it come playoff time. And then the other thing yeah. is that Memphis got healthy. You know, Memphis is getting healthy. The the, 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 the brothers from a mother are back together. Uh, they're going to make a nice <laughs> little run down the stretch. They're going to be banging and hooking people in the head. You know, Memphis going to be back on the block. Uh, we got 25 years. Did you know it was 25 years ago that the Bad Boys won a championship? They're going to be celebrating that here, coming up here this weekend. I think they're they're having it. And also 25 years ago, you and I are from Michigan, uh, that uh, the, uh, Michigan won a national championship. They're going to be celebrating their wow. union. Again. But the, the Bad Boys, I saw that. I was like, because I was looking at some research on, like, what teams could make a run. And Detroit's starting to put some stuff together. Receive Wallace is, you know, he's in the front row of the stands. Almost like you didn't know if he was a spectator or a coach. Not a bench. Uh, and then the bad boys coming into town too. I wonder if Robin is back from Korea, North Korea. But but there's so much <laughs> on the run. But there's been some moves. I'm going off right now. There's been some moves happening. Those little slight moves. And then Jason Terry. How bad does he feel? Did he get moved away? Sacramento or something like that? Where do you Sacramento. Like, uh, <laughs> Siberia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went from doing the airplane and everything else with Churchill, and now he just in purgatory. Right. I thought, hey, Jason. He might not report. He may just retire. <laughs> he he might just... be playing for us. A, a, a team in India, you know the coach, the the, the owners uh, is from India. He might have him working on the D League team in India. Yeah, <laughs> Jason has just moved away. I, I said, where he gets freaking fire mileage? I just and as they were saying his name going to Sacramento, I saw a little plane going from Brooklyn to Sacramento. I was like, he's on that plane. I just like I cannot <laughs> believe it. Yeah, sad day. <laughs> Sad day. And then we have Mr. Collins started with uh, Brooklyn uh, last night, and that was uh, – but I just love the way it was approached, um, you know, both by the organization. I heard Billy King talking a lot, but I, I think what I, what I loved about it was it was focused on basketball. You know, they still had the, the big press conference, but he was really, you know, at the post game like, you know, people we should be talking to are the, you know, Darren Williams, uh, the way that's – that's being handled, but he's a solid player for them. He's going to give them low post defense, give them some back end stuff when KG's taking nights off. So all these little moves, I think, are, are, are very good moves for a lot of teams are positioning to make runs, which is which is important. Where some teams would have made a decision to make uh, to to take a dive. You know, some of the teams who you know, back in the day, if you're looking at 
nine, ten. You like the little kid, like I could run this last sprint, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pack it up and go home. But you got more teams who are in that reach, even if they want to show their te- their their fans that they are going to go after it. You don't see as many teams tanking it as you used to. So, but uh, as we move to and rotate a little bit off the NBA, um, I want to go back to uh, a couple of things here because we got a little bit more time here, Phil. And I might go a little, a, a little, a little, a little freestyle. Not much. Okay. Keep it tight. Okay. Uh, 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 with you, because um, uh, I've, I've been I've been keeping chalk on a couple of different things that I'm as I'm trying to uh, uh, go down the stretch. There was a, a conversation, and you you do a lot. You talk a lot to me about branding, a lot, and about you know just how to communicate things like this. I don't know if you were tracking a lot of these conversations about how coaches were. This whole conversation about Twitter and. College, co- uh, college players and kind of the idea of social media. And you had all these different coaches come out with these different perspectives on on social media. And so you had, you know, the most extreme cases of maybe like, uh, uh, you know, Patino, you know, being a hard liner on what he thought social media should be or not be and, you know, really hard against it. And then you had other coaches who were on the other side of the continuum who were saying it's a way of life, and we talked to each player about what it is. Uh, Calipari was really good about this. You know, yeah. we go through it with these tweets. And like, what does this mean, and why is this? Why would you do this? But realize this is also a positive thing for them. What, what were you taking away from this kind of conversation around social media and college kids and some of these positions these coaches were taking on, particularly uh the role of social media and their players. Well, I think you're doing your players a disservice if you simply ban them from using it. I like Calipari's mm-hmm. system where, hey, his players can use it, but at the same time, he has resources, probably graduate assistants or team managers or whoever, mm-hmm. um, you know, utilizing people from the marketing department or the public relations department to just help their students, you know, advise them when they do stupid stuff or coach them (laughs) just like you're coaching them how to run the dribble, you know, the dribble drive offense, coach them on how can you leverage this social media to your benefit to help build your brand and and not just to find, you know, uh, a date (laughs) or to make people laugh. You know, how do you leverage this? so that if you don't make it to the NBA and you are, you know, working in sales or whatever it is, that you can start to build this base of people following you that you can now utilize it to real action when you finish, you know, playing at Kentucky. Yeah. I like that. And Calipari also understands that, guess what? These kids are 18, 19, 20 years old. They're going to mess up. They're going to do some stupid stuff. But it's mm-hmm. our job to coach them and tell them, hey, what were you thinking? Here's a better way to approach it, and here, like, here's how you rebound from it. I like that style versus coaches who don't give their players, in, like, they don't give the media access to them. You know, they kind of have a, 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 a zero-tolerance policy with it. I don't think you're developing your, you know, your young men or young student-athletes doing that. I just don't. 
And, and I mean, you hit on some really important points, and, and you like, you know, you think about, you know, what can you, even on the basic level of what can you, what can you monitor or legislate, right? Like, why would you even take something like this that that adds more? Well, you don't have that much bandwidth in the first place, rather than doing the capacity building that you're talking about. You know why? You know if you if you're going to say they can't use it at all, now you got a whole infrastructure you have to monitor them on whether or not doing. Versus, like you're saying, I'm feeding them for a lifetime. What are the consequences of being on this platform? What are the benefits of doing it? How do you keep them very much out in front of being able to do that and how they can shape messages and react and how do you deal with disappointment? All these different things that you, I think you hit well on life lessons. I was very surprised with some of the reactions I heard from some of the coaches who are real hard on these things and, and thinking, well, how are you monitoring this? How are you working on this? And what is that doing for these young people who who are half, who are all, who are 18 and also trying to adjust to college as well. You know, not everyone on your team is going to be one and done or, or two and done. A majority of your team is going to be there as long as they need to be there. And so, you know, you got to build something that's more around that framework than, than around, you know, you know, we're going to be on this control thing, which is feeding into this larger conversation around, you know, what are these student athletes? Are they really students? Because what we're encouraging students to do is engage the environment. We're not trying to keep them from not engaging. We're trying to help them understand their personal brand. But yeah, I think you hit it right on the head uh, around that. That that was a, as I would say, a, 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 an emerging uh, uh, topic uh, that I was monitoring. I was just thinking, you know, I, I wonder how I wonder what Phil w- w- was 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 uh, thinking about uh, as, as it relates uh, as it relates to this. Another thing uh, kind of happened uh, here more recently uh as we we talked about it and you know you you didn't you, and i'm using this as a moment of redemption <laughs> so i'm about to put this out here. <laughs> because you didn't have him on your dog of the week but i, I i'm lo- i'm looking forward to getting rj page back on uh who was with inside the park and we hope to get that back on and live as to the next generation of real sports guys but we definitely rj if you haven't had a chance to and Phil gets you to follow him and, and read his blog. I mean, this guy is just amazing. Uh, but he, he probably was rolling over in his bed when he, if he listened long enough to, to find out you did honor uh, the uh, Derek. But, um, you know, it's funny as we move into this, we're, we're, we don't have many superstars like Jeter. You know, Jeter is almost like that 1920s superstar right. where he had a relationship you know, in the 20s. They had a relationship with the media. They would go out and drink with But everything that was happening that night stayed at. If it wasn't about the ballpark, they didn't write about it. <laughs> right? It seemed like Jeter got that kind of thing going. It's like and it's, it's appropriate that he's in New York doing it. You know, he's, he's you know, with the, with the Hollywood starlets and the models. But, you know, it's like the KGB didn't let you know about him. <laughs> um, how you, you know, as he's getting ready to prepare for his last season, and we'll spend more time on this, I mean, as someone from Kalamazoo, I mean, how are you feeling about this? I mean, what are they saying in Kalamazoo? What's the word coming back? Are, you know, I know you've got a lot of people who are close to the family, connected with the family. You are there. I mean, what does that mean to you to have someone that is representing your, 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 your community who's represented well for a long time? Like, what, how are you feeling about that? 
it's been a pleasure to watch Derek Jeter over the last 20 years, man. I, like many people in Southwest Michigan, we have become Yankee fans. <laughs> mm. Now, it was very convenient during that time because the Tigers were horrible. Um, you know, oh, yes. In the 90s, <laughs> during that time when, when Derek started to play for the Yanks. But, you know, I I have not missed a playoff pitch of Yankee baseball probably in 15 years. Wow. Um, yeah, I will watch every pitch of every playoff game. Now, a lot of the times it's on DVR, you know, because I'm working or whatever. You know, they play the, the afternoon games, but it, it's just something about watching him and watching the Yankees, which I have probably become a lifetime Yankee fan. I I don't know. My brother always tells me that as soon as Derek retires, I'll, I'll no longer be a Yankee fan, and maybe that's true. Um, but but I have followed the Yankees over the past 20 years because, uh, because of him. It, it is interesting. You know, you hear some people – kind of um, say that his greatness is overblown because of the fact that he played for the Yankees and played around a lot of talent. But um, I heard someone that they talked about, like, the, the first one of the early scouts was that um, I think it was a, a Houston scout. It was actually a former player that said that this guy is one of the best guys he's ever seen and, and said they should draft him, and they didn't. He actually quit his job. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, people knew this guy was going to be a star. And sometimes I think, you know, um, he, he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is, but there are scouts who just knew he was going to be this good. And, yeah, he went to Yankees, but a lot of people believed he would be this great if he had gone somewhere else. They just they, were, they said there was something the way he played the game, you know, the way he swung that bat, the way he, he practiced, the way he got after it, his whole routine. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, he had, that, he had that element of that great players have, that dedication to the craft uh, that was just so polished and professional that people were just blown away uh, with that. But there were just a lot of, here a lot of people, it's, it's funny how people will kind of break you down. It's like, well, he did it where he did it. There were, a lot, there were some years before Jeter got there where the Yankees wouldn't win anything. <laughs> and they, they tried all everything. And and, and something happened when he got there. So, you know, uh, if it was just about New York, then the Mets would have won a long time ago. (laughs) New York doesn't guarantee you anything. Spending money doesn't, but having quality championship kind players do. So um, his storyline is going to be going the whole year. I think more people will, you know, begin. I wonder if he's going to get the Kareem treatment. You know, <laughs> Park, you know, they're going to have him on a mile with the rocking chair in Milwaukee or <laughs> give a brow. I mean, I wonder if they're going to treat him like they did Kareem. <laughs> Rode a Harley out when he got to Milwaukee. <laughs> we know the sad thing is, is that I would think that he would be a unanimous um, first ballot Hall of Famer. But unfortunately, yeah. there'll be, there will be some idiot maybe two of them, maybe three of them, who will not vote for him as the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be talking about somebody in the 1930s who they thought was a better second baseman than him. Yeah, third, I mean, uh, shortstop to him. They're going to be like, they're going to be. I almost almost had to disassociate 
be with you. I almost have, I almost had to distance myself yeah. if you had. I I I I slipped, but see, I have an excuse to that. I didn't grow up in the south the southwest Michigan, so I can trip out like that. You know, <laughs> make those kind of mistakes. But I, you see, I quickly recovered. I recovered like a gymnast. You know, <laughs> kind of doing it. I like I like shrug your girl shrug I have I have I have one leg up and one leg down and I like sticking it. Wow. Yeah, I had to I had to make an adjustment in the air. So we'll we'll get on Jeter. So before I hit to the get to the last word, Sochi. You know I used to watch the Winter Olympics. It was something I always watched. For some reason, I could not. Get attracted to this. I don't know if it was the reporters talking about all the craziness and the conditions. I don't know whatever else it was. I just could not get into this Winter Olympics. Did you find yourself watching this at all? Did you catch any of this? Yeah, yeah we, uh, my wife and I, we caught it a few evenings, and it's it's been years probably since I've watched the Winter Olympics. Maybe fifth, I don't know, maybe three or four Olympics ago. And so a lot of the events I'd either forgot about or just never noticed before. So when I'm watching the biathlon and I'm seeing them do the cross-country skiing and all of a sudden they drop down and pull out a, you know, a gun from their back and start shooting <laughs> targets and if they miss, they got to do a penalty lap. It was it was interesting. I I really enjoyed it. And then, of course, you know, Tom Jerner had me following the Jamaican Bob Sledders where they lost their luggage. <laughs> you know, my wife and I went on Facebook and donated $10. Uh, <laughs> and then we sit here and watch these cats come in like 50th. Yeah, I mean, they were horrible. Um, <laughs> and the bobsled. And then we watched the luge. Then all of a sudden... You know, they say this event's coming up. It's called the skeleton. I'm like, well, what's the skeleton? Man, at Luge, they go uh, feet first. The skeleton, they go head first down that track, going 60, 70, 80, you know, miles per hour. Woo. Yeah, some of these events, we we had a good time watching. And, you know, no, it's not the Summer Olympics where we're probably more familiar with some of the events, Mm -hmm. but... You know, for me, I appreciate that these are some of the best, well, these are the best athletes in the world in their particular craft, in their particular events, and I just appreciate it. Well, I, I agree with you. It's uh, I, I had a chance to catch some of the uh, speed skating and something I like uh, to watch. I had a chance to catch some of that. I usually watch um, – the um, figure skating, and I didn't catch any of that this time around. And but I usually that's something I watch. I usually watch with my wife and and, and daughter. I would catch that, and the, and I didn't catch I didn't catch as much as the Olympics, but I did catch some of it. Watch some highlights on hockey and uh, stuff like that. I did catch the skeleton because you're right. That stuff is scary. I was like, dang, that is that's 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 too much speed. Um, you know, they got a lot of new elements to the game. But I probably spent most of my time watching the speed skating, like when they all the, the team speed skating, where you got to go around and pass each other and you know do all that stuff. And I was like, yeah. it, they talked about the crazy suits that we had and why it slowed us down. And there's so much came out of it. And part of it was, you know, I think people just reacted to Putin. 
you know, Putin was just, he wanted, this was going to be his thing, and things fell out the wrong way, you know, and I think people just reacted to him, and, you know, he's out there flexing with his shirt off before the game, trying to start, I mean, I think there was just a lot of negative that came out of it, but, you know, it was, it was, you know, at the end of the day, it was good to just see people who spent their entire lives trying to get ready for something, you know, right. being able to accomplish their goal, you know. So that's something that we I love. Well, I'm going to hit him with the last word. A lot of times, as we look through and deal with failure, you know, I, I think about Bob Costas. The good thing about the Olympics is that early on, on the biggest stage, things that he takes a lot of pride in and credit, uh, you know, and, and, and pride in what he's doing, to, to come down with a sickness that put him on the sidelines and then bounce back and, and be on this big public stage and deal with the, the, uh, the, the, the ridicule and it, but still come back professionally tells us that even at the greatest moments in our lives, when we face incredible odds and setbacks, you can always come back. Even the best amongst us who face these kind of things really demonstrates their greatness. That greatness is dealing with failure, learning how to deal with setback, and how to come back stronger. Bob Costas showed us that, but all our athletes, our great athletes, show us that every day. And that's why we love it. That's why we talk about it with Real Sports Gods. That's the last word. Till next week, out. Check us out, Real Sports Gods, realsportsgods.com. We look forward to having the game changer back with us next week. Until next week, peace. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.